Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 14 says that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth like Noah's flood covered the sea. And, and he backs that up in Joel chapter 2 beginning of verse 23 where he said, I'm going to pour my spirit out on all flesh. <laughs> all flesh, that means you're not going to miss it. That means you're going to get an opportunity to serve the Lord. That means that no one, it's amazing when we just had to read through the, oh, thank you, Jesus. If you've been reading through the Bible with us this year, we just got through Job and the book of Revelation. I thought there's not like, no, no, it's like an endurance thing. Until the last couple of chapters of Job when, you know, when the Holy Ghost begins to speak, but up until then. And then you're slamming through the book of Revelation and you're thinking, how can that be that, 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 that these these things happen in the earth and people still won't repent, you know. And, and, and we read these things and we think, well, this is God's judgment. Well, God God put that in place in at the beginning. You know, God did not cause this pandemic or anything to do with this. Uh, people did. You know, in this case, China trying to... St- you got to understand that if in order for the Antichrist to take over, America cannot be the powerhouse that it is today. And so the whole world is trying to knock the United States off so that the Antichrist, the new world order, can take place. And so so everything that you see, that's 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 really what's going on there. And and I know that God gets the blame for it, but but God put if you want God's will for your life, it's Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, and Revelation 21 and 22. All the other stuff is, is man rebelling against God. <laughs> That's all that it is. It's like, you know, God, God loves mankind, for God so loved that he gave. Matter of fact, the Hebrew word for love means to give. It's what it means. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So then we read Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 14, and we know that, you know, that his desire is for the glory to cover the earth. And then, of course, when you read Hebrews 2 and verse 10, it says, the captain of our salvation that was made perfect through the things that he suffered. And again, I like to point it out, Jesus was always innocent, but he wasn't perfect until he passed the test that Adam failed. Adam started out innocent and committed high treason against God. And so Jesus had to come in order to be your redeemer. He had to undo what, what Adam did. That's what makes Romans chapter five so powerful. He's saying what Adam did is nothing compared to what Jesus did in you. And the thing that we need to remember, like in Revelation five and verse 21, we always quote that verse that, 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 you know, that he, God made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we'd be made the righteousness of God in him. But that was done before you were born. Before you were born, he redeemed you. Ephesians 1, 4 says that he, that he did it from before the foundation of the world. He already planned your redemption. So why are you trying to earn it now? Well, what are you going to do now to add to what he did? See, you can't do that. You can't add to it. But he, his idea is to get us back into the glory, and the just shall live by faith. And so the only way that you get back into the glory, even though he's restored you back to that, my Bible says that he delivered us out of the authority of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of God's dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. He's already done that. But so all I need to do is show up. All I need to do, I've been delivered. All I need to do is show up. I've been transferred from one place to another. All that's required of me is that I need to, I need to show up. And so, so let's make a decision to show up today. To me, the glory is in a, by the way, down in Port Bickerton today, hello for hello for Lowell and Dee and Carolyn's down there sitting on the couch. And, and I, back in July, Lowell was bragging about his fishing abilities. No, no, he, no, no, he caught a big sea trout and he had his son film it while he, while he was bringing it ashore. And while I was watching it, I got a word from the Lord that, you know, the fish was born in the water, and without the water, the fish won't last long. 
A cow was born up where I live next door, and, and he, he can't survive in the water because he was brought out of the earth. Kind of like, kind of, and, and it reminded me, of this, this, this guy was, this comedian was making fun of Adam, and he said, God gave Adam the ability to name all the animals. And so first thing in the morning, Adam came out, hippopotamus, four syllables, kind of like five syllables, whatever. By the end of the day, it was cow, <laughs> fly. <laughs> And I thought, I thought, well, that's the way us Christians are too, you know. We start out with real, real, you know, we'll dazzle you, God, with what we can do. Fly. Bzzz. But anyway, so, so man was living in the glory because you came out of God. And glory really, kabod, is it's the very essence of God. It's everything that he is, everything that he has, everything that he can do. It's all of him. It's his weight. Matter of fact, kabod means weighty, heavy weighty. So, so we didn't come out of the ocean. We didn't come out of the ground. We came out of God. And you can't live long without that. And so when you look at Adam and Eve you realize that once they see Lowell caught that fish by giving him some bait, something that was foreign to him, but seemed familiar. And so that fish grabbed onto that fake life and eventually cost him his life. And, you know, and so when I thought about that, I thought, the, the atmosphere that I live in is created by the words that I speak. So if I don't like the atmosphere that I'm living in, I need to change some things in my heart because my heart condition is creating an environment that I don't want to live in. But again, I, but the bait is always there. But when I take the bait, now if Lowell had been, if Lowell had a, had a barbless hook, he could have released, you know, he could have caught released that fish. And as soon as the fish got back into that environment, can you imagine? I can breathe again. I can like, and so when you think about the environment of God, think of uh, Psalm 1611, for example, in his presence is fullness of joy and at his right hand pleasures forevermore. But I need to be in that environment. How do I get in that environment? Ephesians 2, 6 says that I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ. But if I read all the things that people send me on Facebook, dear God, I, I even tell, I talk about it on, on, on YouTube, and they, they keep sending this stuff. Watch this before it's taken down. No, I don't want to watch any more of that crap. This is what I want to focus on, the Word of God, the goodness of God. I don't want to, is the devil, the devil isn't doing anything new. He's been doing it since the dawn of time. Cain killed Abel. There's a a murderous spirit that's a spirit of rebellion on mankind. And and you're not going to vote anybody in or out that's going to fix that. (laughs) It's a problem that can't be fixed in the natural. It's a spiritual problem. Amen to that. So, so, uh, so. Yeah, so if you see the bait, keep your mouth shut. No, serious. Don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. Stay in. You can, you can live in the glory of God Amen. if you live in the word of God. He said in John 6, 63, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Spirit and life. So for you and I, what our focus needs to be, you know, because I know that there are, more troubled times coming. I know that China's probably working on something worse than what they just did. And, and those things are going to, they are going to escalate. My Bible tells me so. But I need to keep oil in my lamp. I need to, I, I, the time for lukewarmness is over. How many of you ever heard of Kevin Zadai? Yeah, yeah. He, he's, you know, again, back up everything that you hear with the Word of God. But this guy died while they were extracting a tooth. He died in the dentist's office and went to heaven. And while he was in heaven, God showed him a bunch of things. And when he came back to earth just to prove that he had really died and gone to heaven, he could play 14 musical instruments. 
when he died, he couldn't play any of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so the experience is legitimate, just like Brother Hagen had many experiences like that that you can put in the bank because, of the, because the proof is there. Uh, but one of the things that he said that the Lord had spoken to him is the day for lukewarmness is over. You know, and some of the mega churches are going to disappear because they wouldn't allow the Holy Ghost to move. The, the Holy Ghost is God. <laughs> no, 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 we get the idea that, he, that it's some kind of, no, no, he's God. And he came on the day of Pentecost and he's not leaving just because you want to assign him to the back room. And he's going to do things that are signs and wonders that you can't maybe explain. There's going to be some strange things happening in this new move of the Spirit of God. But I really believe, I remember when Jonathan Kahn was talking and he talked about in the Jubilee that everything in the world got reset. Like the world went back to pagan and rebellion and witchcraft and all of that. But the church went back to the book of Acts. So being the book of Acts church... It's not going to be coming in and listening to Pastor Gary, whoever's coming to speak. Being in, being the Book of Acts church means your participation. Means during a service while somebody's up preaching, the Lord might speak to you to walk across the Nile and lay a hand on somebody and pray for somebody. The, the, the Book of Acts church... You know, read Corinthians. I mean, the Corinthian church didn't didn't have it going good at all in the natural. I mean, some of these guys were living like like wild life, but yet the the gifts of the Spirit. Paul said in Corinthians chapter one, he said, "You fall behind in no gift. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, gift of faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discerning spirits, tongues, the interpretation of tongues, working consistently in and through the church to heal, to deliver, to set people free. See, God wants to use you and God wants to use me. It's not about the fivefold ministry. This, this, this move of the Spirit of God is not about the fivefold ministry. It's about the body of Christ. It's about you not trying to touch the hem of his garment anymore, but you realizing that you're wearing it. And I know that it's going to take a revelation. I understand that. I understand that, but the revelation is happening. God's doing some things right now. Wisdom and revelation knowledge are coming forth. I mean, I watched that Believer's Convention. I was thinking, I watched two Keith Moores, three Jessies, uh, three Bill Winstons, and I haven't watched Kenneth Copeland yet. And he's the father of the whole deal. Oh, Bill Johnson was awesome. Yeah, yeah. And he's not in our camp. <laughs> no, I understand there's 12 tribes in Israel. There's probably 12 tribes in the church, too. I don't know that for sure, but I know that we're not all the same. The elbow and the wrist might help each other, but they sure don't look like one another. And, and you know, and, and so just because my wrist doesn't look like my elbow doesn't mean, okay, I'm not using you anymore. I want nothing more to do with you. But that's the way we treat the church. <laughs> You're not like me, so forget it. What? Anyway. Hallelujah. 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 I got some news for you. Can I give you some news today? God loves you. God is not mad at you. God is not disappointed in you. Hallelujah. Let's go to John chapter 13. Woo! Verse 23. By the way, Beth, Bumpus, the Lord spoke to me during praise and worship. I was sitting there. And uh, I'd like to lay hands on you later, but, but not because there's something wrong, but God wants to take you to another level, to another place. Praise the Lord. So. Amen. So I'm saying that in case I get caught off somewhere and fall out in the spirit or anything that could possibly happen today because, because I, 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 I don't care. I don't care. I don't care if this comes off well or not. I don't care. <laughs> All I care about is God to be in your presence, to live in that fullness of joy. At your right hand, the pleasures forevermore. 
I don't want to live here anymore. Ephesians 2, 6 is mine. I can live in the glory now. And I can't manufacture it. I can't make it happen. I want the gifts of the Spirit to move in this church, but I can't. But here's a, here's a, but last, last was it. A few days ago, I was praying, saying, God, you know, I beseech you. You know, I beseech you. Just, well, show me your glory. And, you know, you get all wrestled up and, 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 uh, and all that. And he said, when are you going to stop asking and just start acting? <laughs> no, no, I know you ask and keep on asking, you know, Scripture, but not, not for the same thing over and over again. <laughs> After a while, you've got to receive what God has for you. You want to operate in the gifts of the Spirit? How many of you want to? Okay, start today. No, it may cause you some discomfort. I know it will. If you never stood up and gave a word from the Lord, it's going to cause you a great discomfort. But find out what it is God has for you. We, we had a guy in our church one time, but I've known him for most of my Christian life. He said, Gary, I'm an evangelist. And I thought, well, you've been in our church for 16 years and never one Sunday or Thursday brought anybody to church. I don't think you're an evangelist. What would be the fruit of an evangelist? <laughs> Leading people to the Lord. Well, I witnessed to them outside. Well, don't cause a spiritual Calcutta. Lead somebody to the Lord and let them die on the street. Get them plugged into the local church, man, if you're really, really, really. Anyway, so... That was free. Okay. <laughs> John 13, verse 23. The thing about John that you're going to discover is he knew he was secure in his salvation. Maybe because he was only a teenager and he hadn't gotten into all of the crud and the crap and stuff that, like, I, I don't know about you, but for me, it took me a long time to forgive myself. And still to this day, can I confess, I struggle with some of that stuff. Like I didn't, you know, my father died when I was six. My mother died when I was 10. I don't know what it is to have a loving father or a loving mother or anything like that. And so, like, I don't have any reference point for what a, you know, we sing he's a good, good father. And I know that that's true. But I, but I can't, I can't. I can't bring it down to, to relate to somebody that I know on this earth because most of the people that I was around were not good at all. They were miserable people. <laughs> no, no, I got taken care of after my mom and dad died because of the money that was left. And so people took me in so that they could, you know, take the bucks, right? And so, so, so to meet God and, and to trust him has, has been... Now, it's a whole lot easier, but I still have days when I'm like, you know, like the time that I, I, I shared this with you. I was sitting by my fireplace when we were living in Hammond's Plains, and I had my feet up, and I was reading the Bible, and, and I said this to God. I said, God, do you like me? I know that you love me, but do you like me? Because sometimes I don't like me. And so, and so then I, you know, then I forgot about it for about 20 minutes and a foot came across my legs with a hole right through it. I mean, it was, I saw it with these eyes <laughs> and I wept because I realized I had just asked the stupidest question that any human could ever ask. God, do you love me? Are you kidding? Go to Calvary and look what happened and know that it would have happened just for you alone. He'd have still gone there. He'd have went there even if you'd never accept him. He was going to do that. He was going to pay the price one way or the other. But anyway, John had this revelation. And so John 13 verse 23 says, Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom the one of the disciples whom Jesus loved. Well, I want to point out this to you that John wrote this. And this is what he's saying about himself. I'm the disciple that Jesus loves. He's basically saying I'm his favorite. And you can say that too, because you're favored. Read Psalm 102 and verse 13. The set time of his favor is upon your life right now. You're his favorite. No, but, but can you imagine getting a picture of that? 
that, that he loves you, that he wants to hang out with you, even when nobody else wants to hang out with you. <laughs> even when you don't want to hang out with you one of those days, he's tapping and saying, hey, hey. Now over in chapter 19, continuing the same thought here. Verse 26, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple standing by whom Jesus loved, this is where he turns his mother over, turns Elizabeth over to John. And uh, did I say Elizabeth? Mary. How about Mary? <laughs> okay, so I got her name wrong. I'm not a Catholic. It's okay. Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. What a lie that is. Words of wisdom are not let it be. Words of wisdom are take authority over it in the name of Jesus. Okay. So, so, so <laughs> I promoted a song. What can you say? So, so again, he's talking about himself and saying, I'm the disciple that Jesus loves. Now, this is, this is, this is going to be your assignment. Pastor can give you an assignment. This is your assignment. Every time you look in the mirror this next week, there's the, there's the disciple that Jesus loves. Keep saying it. To, you know, one time, and I think I shared this story before, but it's my, my little bit of time here unless Holy Ghost interrupts. But one time we had, a, we had, we used to have Bible study in our home out in Fall River, and sometimes we'd have 30, 40, 50 people show up, and, and it was amazing. It was powerful because God was there. Uh, but anyway, this one time a woman came in, and, uh, you know, I mean, there are a lot of people there, but I, I heard the Lord say, go down into the bathroom and get that portable mirror and bring it out. So I did. I brought the mirror out and I put it in her lap and I said, look in the mirror and say, I love you. And she shook, broke down and cried and couldn't do it. So then we moved the mirror around the room. It was amazing how many people that the devil has deceived into thinking that you're less than what God created you to be. Let us make man in our image and in our likeness and let them have dominion. Adam sinned and missed it. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But, come on, the captain of our salvation restored us back to glory, back to his original intention. So in God's mind, we went from, from there back to the Garden of Eden. Back to where we have dominion and authority over the creeps of the earth and all of that kind of stuff, right? Back to that. Read Romans chapter 5 with it. I mean, it's proof that, that when you receive the gift of righteousness, you begin to reign as a king in life. In this life, not in the life to come, you're going to reign there too. But God wants you to be in charge of your life right now. But lots of times we'll speak out the word of God and things don't change right away. Well, look at Jesus. In Mark 11, 23 and 24, I mean, back in earlier in Mark chapter, uh, chapter 23, he spoke to a fig tree and it took a couple of days for it to die. And he's him. He's him. I'm Gary. <laughs> what are you supposed to do? Keep talking to it in the name of Jesus. Trash talk it. Trash talk your mountains. Don't talk to God about your mountains. And don't dial 1-800-MOUNTAIN. Talk to your mountain and say, mountain, you be, you be removed. And why is it a mountain that he's comparing it to? Because it's there so long that you are so familiar with it that you don't even try anymore. Maybe you prayed for healing in an area and months went by and years went by and now it's just a mountain you drive by every day and you lost it. It's time to get it fired back up. No, it's time to fire it back up. It's time to, again, the atmosphere that you live in is created by the words that you speak. Not the words that other people speak to you, but the words, and they can call you whatever they want. It's what you call yourself that's important. Let them call you whatever they want to call you. Doesn't affect you. You call yourself the righteousness of God in Christ. You call yourself the head and not the tail. You call yourself above only and never underneath. And I don't care what you did yesterday. I read the life of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 7 verse 2. He says, receive us, we've wronged no man. Dear God, if he can say that after killing Christians, I can say it after having an ugly thought about you. No, no, no I didn't. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. But how do you know I didn't? <laughs> 
Make sure you don't look at anybody after you say something like that because they may take it wrong. Okay, praise the Lord. Drop down to chapter 20 and verse 1. The first day of the week, that's Sunday morning, which is proof that Jesus wasn't crucified on Friday. You can't get three days from Friday to Sunday. I don't care what your math is like. Math is like my math was like in school, I guess, baby. I don't know. No, no, I'm still trying to figure out where they buried the survivors, those questions that they would ask. <laughs> you know, if Bill had three apples and Susan had seven oranges and Tom had two bananas, who's the king of, who's the king of England? Okay. <laughs> Nancy said, you've got a mental block there. I said, yeah, I blocked it real early. Grade one, grade two or somewhere, and I have not received anything there since. The first day of the week, Sunday morning. Why do we worship on Sunday and not Saturday? Well, you can worship on Saturday if you live in Pakistan and they force you to. But here it's Sunday because we found out that the Hebrew people, when they got born again, they worship God on the first day of the week, which is Sunday morning. Okay? Don't, now, don't fight me over that, please. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Worship him seven days a week. It doesn't matter. Just don't get ugly and tell me that I'm wrong because I'm having church on Sunday and you believe it's Saturday. Enjoy your Saturday and I'll enjoy my Sunday. Let's love each other. How about that? Amen. The things we fight about. Hallelujah. I'm telling you right now, it's Saturday, it's Saturday. May the bird of paradise fly up your nose. Okay. No, no, not really. No, no, that's... <laughs> okay, Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene came the first day of the week. A prostitute came the first day of the week. The first one to see Jesus out of the grave, a prostitute is coming. One that Jesus cast seven devils out of. He had to be born by a virgin, but I'm telling you right now, when this covenant was complete, he came to the, a, a woman that had been off track so that you would know, so that I would know that it doesn't matter how far off you've been. This is a new covenant established on better promises. When, when it was still dark, she came onto the sepulcher. I'm wondering where everybody else was. Well, we know the guys on the road to Emmaus, they were taking a 14-mile journey, seven miles each way, going in the wrong direction for seven miles and then turn around and coming back. I, but, but God loved them too. He, can you imagine you're going in the wrong direction and Jesus comes out of the grave and comes to you? Why? Because you're going in the wrong direction and he wants to turn you around. That is so awesome to me. This is what we need to be as a church when we see people going in the wrong direction. Don't throw rocks at them. Walk with them. Walk with them. I was thinking this morning, you know, one time we had to, we had to put a homosexual girl out of the church. Uh, and, but we didn't want to. We did not want to. We did our best to keep her. She's a teenager, and we wanted to keep her here because we knew the Word of God. You know. But anyway, we had to let her go because she started hitting on the other young girls in the church. Had she not done that, you know, we wanted to be like Jesus. Jesus will go the extra mile with everybody. He, he is so gracious and so purposeful in his love that he won't let any, he, he's not willing that any should perish. We need to remember that when this move of the Spirit is in the full hate, that we're not judgmental of people that are coming in. So if you see things that, are, that you think are harsh, they're really not. They're just, as long as you're motivated by love, you're not going to go wrong anyway, are you? You're not going to miss it by much. No. So, so anyway, so, uh, verse, so she came to the sepulcher. In verse uh, 2, then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple that Jesus loved. Huh? He didn't say he came to Peter and John because he loved them both, even though that was true. But the thing was, you're going to see the comparison between John and Peter as John knew that he was loved and Peter had an inferiority complex. No, he really did. He, you know, and, and he did what all of us have done. He said that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then a little, little while later, he spoke out of the flesh. And, and Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan, and had to rebuke him. 
What do you mean by that, Pastor? I mean, sometimes you'll be led by the Spirit of God and it'll be so powerful. Other times your flesh will get in the way. But don't let that stop you from moving in the gifts of the Spirit. If you make mistakes, and you will, it's okay. God is going to do some things in this move, use people that you would have never suspected he would use, do mighty things, because it's all about the harvest now. It's all about, in here is a really good place to practice because out there is where the harvest is. And even the, even the church, it was noised abroad that he was in the house. That's what Mark chapter 2 says. It was noised abroad that he was in the house. When he begins to move in your life and you allow him to move in this congregation, it'll be noised abroad. Chapter 21, we're not going to get way into it because of the time. But just a couple of highlights. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, the Sea of Galilee. It's about, it's about 20 kilometers long and maybe eight or nine kilometers wide. It's, they call it a sea. But the reason why it, it stands out is it's surrounded by mountains and a storm can come, boom, down out of those hills without anybody seeing it coming. So it can be a, a treacherous place. The thing that amazes me is they're still catching fish in that lake. And lots of them after all these years. You know, Jesus said, cast the net, and so they did. Okay, so, so Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana of Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said unto them, I'm going fishing. See, when one person backslides, he can lead a whole lot of other people with him. <laughs> I'm going fishing. Doesn't he remember the last fishing trip that he was on? <laughs> Fished all night and caught nothing. We also, we're going with you. So they went forth, proving his leadership abilities too, though. His leadership, that he was, he was going astray and taking them too. They entered in the ship immediately, and that night they caught what? Nothing, again. When the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't know that it was him. And Jesus said unto them, children, do you have anything to eat? And do you have any meat? They answered and said, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> And he said unto them, cast your net on the other side, the right. You telling me, are you telling me that 15, 10, 5 meters away on this side, there's so many fish that it'll bust the net. And on this side, there's nothing. I think it could be an obedience test. Think about that. It's an obedience test. Do something ridiculous. We fished all night and we caught nothing, but nevertheless at your word, at your word. That's what he said in Luke chapter 5. Nevertheless at your word, I'm going to do this thing. So, so, children, have you any meat? No. He said, cast your net on the other side and you'll find. They cast their net, therefore, and now it was, they, they couldn't even draw it in because of the multitude of fish. But again, Ecclesiastes 7 Verse 11. Nancy, read that verse. With your microphone, please. Please, ma'am. Your holiness, divine. Ecclesiastes 7.11. Seeing there may be things... Oh, sorry. No, in the wrong one. Don't do that to me. Wisdom is good... With an inheritance, and by Ecclesiastes seven eleven, seven eleven. Yeah, wisdom is good. How about eleven seven? It's got to be something. Oh, okay. It's not what it says. Truly, the light is sweet, and a pleasant thing it is for the eyes to behold the sun. How about seven <laughs> eight? Okay. <laughs> Let's just keep reading the whole Bible. Seven eight. Okay. Better seven. is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. Start again. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Yeah, my point is, the end of something is better than the beginning. And he saved the best for last, and that would be you. No, that would be you. He didn't have you born in... 
1492 when Columbus sailed the ocean blue. He had you born now at the end of the age. He did that on purpose. He chose you in him again, Ephesians 1, 4, in him from the foundation of the world. He said, you're going to be my last day's church. I'm going to show you how to flow in the glory of God. I'm going to show you. And all you have to do is you can't do seven steps to moving in the glory of God. There's no seven steps. All you have to do is fall into it. I, I know I, I, if I knew how to do it, I would tell you. <laughs> the only thing I know to do is you have to, by faith, just receive it and begin to live there. Begin to live there. Because even Adam, Adam's sin touched heaven. That's why Jesus had to go after he talked to Mary Magdalene. He said, don't touch me yet. I haven't risen. I got to go pour my blood on the heavenly mercy seat. Why, Jesus? Because Adam's sin reached heaven. Because Adam could travel back and forth at will. And so can you. According to Ephesians 2, 6, you're already seated in heavenly places in Christ. If you've never made the journey, it's not his fault. How will I know when I'm there? It's because that's where your weight is. Where you're seated right now in this church is where all of your weight is. And when you put your weight over in Ephesians 2, 6, the things of this world won't bother you anymore. That's why Paul the Apostle could say, these light afflictions which are but for a moment. Are you kidding me? He was whipped five times 39 stripes. He probably never had a piece of natural meat left on his body. One of them would kill you. One of those whippings would kill you. He had it done five times. He was beaten with rods three times. They'd put you down on your belly, lift your feet up, and beat with iron rods the bottoms of your feet until every bone was broken. And then he'd go on. He knew something that we don't know. He had a revelation. That's why he would be, he said, I, oh God, that you'd give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge. Get them out of their head and over into the spirit and see what I've done for them. See Romans 8, 11, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead will quicken your mortal body, that you're a spirit and you have a soul and you live in a body. It's not the other way around. And when your spirit man has, takes ascension, rises up, and seats itself in that heavenly place, now you're not praying to heaven, you're praying from heaven. You're making decrees and changing things around you. Because God wants us to change the atmosphere. God wants us to change the culture of the city that we're living in. Amen. So where was I? We're in John chapter 20 before we get lost in Ecclesiastes. 21, yeah. John chapter 21 is important because you can see in verse 7, therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, there he said it again, then drop down to verse 20, then Peter turned about, seeing the disciple that Jesus loved, said, what's going to happen? What's going to happen to him? And when you see that, you, you understand what Peter's problem was. He's comparing himself with somebody else. You're unique. You know, my, my new phone comes on by facial recognition. And so you can't pick up my phone and, and do anything. But then once, I, once the facial recognition works, I've got all these apps to explore. And so, so my covenant with God... Come on, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, I'm being changed from glory to glory into the image of Jesus. Looking into his face, looking into his face, seeing him, it's like, it's like James 1.22. I'm not just a, a, a hearer of the word, but I'm a doer of the word. I'm not like the one that looks in the mirror and walks away and forgets what he looks like. I'm looking at the mirror, which is the word of God. And my Bible says that He's the firstborn among many brethren. My Bible says that I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. And when I look at that, my phone comes on. And I got all these apps to explore. But if I don't use my facial recognition, all I got is a bunch of religion. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So now when I look in the mirror, I see Christ, right? That's what I'm supposed to do, right? right. If I'm still seeing Gary, then I'm not getting access to the apps. 
I can't see all the things that have been provided for me because I'm not using the right face to get the thing turned on. So now I'm in the natural, I'm in the flesh, and I'm seeing Gary and not seeing Christ in me, the hope of glory. An heir with God, a joint heir with Jesus. John 5, 13 and 14, if I ask anything according to his will, which is his word, I know that he hears me, and I know that he grants the petitions that I bring to him. So when I ask for a move of the Spirit of God to happen at New Covenant Ministries Church, believing I receive it, it shall be delivered unto me. Believing that the gifts of the Spirit will begin to operate in and through you freely. Beginning that you'll get free and be filled with the Holy Ghost and not be concerned about what other people think. Peter was concerned about what people thought. Peter, Peter is now going to say, what, what about John? Jesus said, what, what, what do you care about that for? Peter's got, it's none of your business what I'm doing in somebody else's life. Matter of fact, he, you know, Paul told that to the Corinthian church. He said, why are you comparing yourselves among yourselves? It's not wise. Because other people have gifts and graces that you don't have, and you have gifts and graces that you haven't even discovered. You've got apps that you haven't even got turned on yet, but you've been spending so much time focusing on what other people's apps are doing that, you, that you're jealous about what they have. You are unique. You are a gift from God. You are a gift to me. I am a gift to you. If you don't unwrap your gift, I'll never enjoy it. It's important that you unwrap your gifts. Well, what are people going to think? Well, they're not thinking about you now. <laughs> Most people don't think about other people. They're all wrapped up in their own junk. Come on. So 2 Corinthians 10, 12, we won't go there. But really what Jesus is saying to Peter here is, what business is that of yours? Oh, God, what are you going to do with Pastor Paul? What business is that of yours, Gary? You're not going to play the drums like him. I've been less than after the drums. No, I haven't. <laughs> no, I haven't. I haven't. I haven't. I really haven't. I'm just trying to say, you know, we all have gifts and graces, and I'm more about discovering what, what else God has for me and, and making sure that I'm praying properly over you, that you can get wisdom and revelation knowledge, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you might know the hope of your calling, that you might know the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, that you might know the exceeding greatness of his power working towards you as you believe, according to the working of his mighty power, when he worked for Christ, when he raised you from the dead, seated at his own right hand in the heavenly, far above all principality, power, might, dominion, every name, this name, not only in this world, but that which is to come, placed all things under his feet, made him to be the head over all things, which is... His body, his body, everything is under his feet and you're his body. If you're the little toe in here today, Satan is still under your feet. And if you don't think the little toe is important, kick it up against the wall and tell me how it feels. It's amazing how little parts can be very important at the right time. <laughs> Bumping your little toe, make you praying tongues. Hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> or maybe there's still some flesh there. <laughs> you'll, definitely, you'll definitely find out. Yeah. So, so let's go back into the book of Judges. We'll finish up over there. But, but because I was looking at Peter and John, John, such confidence in who he, who he is. And I mean, he lived in Ephesus until he was over 100 years old looking after Mary. Their house is still there. One time they took him and they boiled him in oil. And when they brought him up out of the oil, he was the same as he was. They tried to kill him several times that same, with that same method. And finally, they put him on the Isle of Patmos thinking, there, we got rid of that guy. He writes the book of Revelation. <sighs> How did he do that? Because he knew... Like, who's, who wrote 1 John 4, 15 through 18? God is love. Who, who, who wrote perfect, perfect love casts out fear? Fear has torment. Who wrote that? That was John. John wrote all those beautiful, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. It's a love letter from God. It's a total love letter. 
He said, don't say you haven't sinned, but when you do, you have an advocate in heaven. If you confess your sin, not only will I forgive you, but I'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. What kind of a deal is that? That's somebody that knew who he was. Peter, it took him a long time. When you read 2 Peter chapter 1, he says, or is it 1 Peter chapter 1? He said, whom having not seen, you love. You haven't seen him, but you love him with joy unspeakable and full of glory. He got the revelation of the love of God much later than John did, but he did get it. And when he got it, it didn't stop him from preaching at the day of Pentecost and getting 3,000 people saved, even though 50 days earlier he had denied the Lord Jesus. Come on, you got to forgive yourself fast. You got to have a fast forgiver. I'm serious, you got to do it quick. Don't let it eat away at you and steal your lunch and your supper and anxiety getting in and all of that. No, forgive yourself quickly. Just like he does. He said, I'll cast in the seat. Well, come on, he said, I'll throw it in the lake. In other words, I'll put it out of sight and out of mind. I'll delete it from the hard drive. And it's not recoverable with some kind of a program. It's gone. So when you're talking to Jesus about the things that you did years ago, he didn't, what? What? There's interference on the line. What? Because I only hear faith. But so so we looked at, we looked in, in Judges chapter six, we looked at Gideon. Because Gideon was a lot like Peter in that he became a great conqueror, but he started out with great inferiority. He, and I'm not going to Judges chapter 6, so if you turn to there, don't, don't, don't bother. No, no, but, the, but in the story he said, I'm, I'm, I'm so inferior that I'm the least in my family. I'm from the smallest tribe. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. And I'm so brave that I'm hiding in a wine press sifting wheat because I'm afraid that the Midianites are going to come again and steal everything that I own. And God shows up and says, O Gideon, O mighty man of valor, Romans 4.13, calling the things that be not as though they were. Because he was not a mighty man of valor. He was being, his potential was being spoken to at that time. But he wasn't. He was a coward. And he saw, his inferiority was ruling his life to the point where fear was producing all around him. Because faith will produce life. Fear will produce death. Wherever you, whatever your situation is, when you release faith, things will begin to change, even if you don't see them right away. So here's a guy so that God had to encourage him and turn him around. Now I want to look at another guy. I want to look at the son of a whore. I want to look at the son of a hooker. Would that be better to say it that way? The son of a prostitute. How about that? But I like to be graphic and call her a son. Of a, call him a son of a whore because it startles people, right? It shocks people into remembering what you're talking about. But this is in chapter 11 of Judges. Now, the, the key theme about the book of Judges is uh, Judges 17.5 and Judges uh, 23. It says, there was no king in Israel, so everyone did that which was right in their own eyes. And so people were living, so God was bringing judges to, to, to keep things, to, to steer things right until we could get to the book of Ruth, which is attached to the book of Judges. And in Ruth, we find out about Boaz, a kinsman redeemer. Somebody is going to redeem, and, and he redeemed a Moabitess. Ruth and Moabitess, Moabites were not allowed into the temple of God at all. And this woman ended up in the lineage of Jesus Christ. And so, and, and so did Rahab the harlot, by the way. And God calls them what they are so that you can get a grip on how much love he has for you and how much forgiveness is available to you. But how you see yourself is where you find yourself. So let's look at this guy in chapter 11, Zepta. Now, Zepta the Gideonite was, look at this, he was a mighty man of valor. He wasn't called that, he was that. No, this wasn't genetic determinism either. He wasn't born that way so much. He was born of a prostitute, if you read a little bit further on here. So, so and, and this guy is one of the wildest characters you're going to find, wildest guys in the Bible. But, but what you're going to find about Zepta is he knew his covenant. He didn't have it all together, but he knew his covenant, and he knew that he served a covenant-keeping God. That's all you got to know. You have a covenant. You have a covenant-keeping God. So here's Zepta. He was a mighty man of valor. And what, and what, what does it say next? 
a son of a harlot. But it didn't stop his destiny. It was not genetic determinism. It wasn't the fact that he was born that way. Well, I was just born this way. Or my father was like this, or my mother was like that. It's not psychic determinism either. It's not any of that. It's not environmental determinism. It's as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So it says, and he was, and Gilead begat Zepta. And Gilead's wife bare him sons, and his wife's sons grew up, and they thrust out Zepta. This word thrust out is the word garash, and it means outcast. He, he was an outcast. So maybe, maybe you have been. Maybe, maybe you grew up, and maybe you were ridiculed in school. Maybe, maybe you had a father or a mother or an uncle. Or an, maybe you just had a hard time. How many of you have not had a hard time? Could you wave at me? How many of you grew up in a perfect environment? Could you show me your hand? Because I'd really like to celebrate your life. It's been my, my experience that people don't come to the Lord until they hit the bottom. Unless they grew up in church and then they have to struggle because, they, because lukewarmness is all around. And when you read your Bible, you read through the Old Testament, and it says, not like his father, David. And David was generations and generations before you realize that God doesn't have a word for grandfather on purpose because he doesn't have any grandchildren. You can be born in church, grow up in church, and, and until you make Jesus your Savior, and then, and then hopefully you get to the place where he's your Lord, uh, you, you, church attendance doesn't do it. Growing up in church doesn't do it at all. Matter of fact, in some cases it's a disadvantage because they that have been forgiven much love much. And, uh, and so, you know, I am a great lover of God because, no, because he saved a wretch like me. I didn't deserve it. Hallelujah. And to be able to preach, to be able to preach, you know, of all the years I've been preaching, 28 years of full time and three or four years before that, only one time did I ever get up here without spending time in prayer and being alone with God. And it was a disaster. But I got confident in, in you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, I found out that without the anointing and without him, it's nothing. And so I don't care if I'm talking to two people or 22 people or 22,000 people. I, I just, it's still to this day an honor to do this. It is an absolute honor to do this anytime, not to be taken lightly. And so they thrust out Zepta and said, get out of here. You're the son of a... Strange woman, strange woman. <laughs> then Zepta fled from his brethren and dwelt in the land of Tob. Now, Tob means goodness. Ketov, Ketov is most good. God is Ketov. Ketov, Kileolam, Hestov, Ketov. So Tob, he's living in a good place. But look at this. They were gathered unto him. I like this. In the King James, it says, vain men gathered themselves to Zepta. And they went out with him. But the word vain is the word R-E-Q. And it means worth, worthless. <laughs> so what you're seeing here is Zepta with a gang of daring desperados, with a gang of renegades. Would you like to have a church like that full of renegades? Hallelujah. Don't care what people think. Just care what God thinks. And, uh, and it says, in the process of time, that the children of Ammon came and made war against Israel. And it was so that when the children of Ammon would come to war against Israel, the children of Gilead went on to Zepta, the outcast, <laughs> went, out, went out to find him and told him, and they said, Zepta, come now. Come now. We... we <laughs> Have you ever experienced people like that? No, no, when, when their need is gone, so are they. I don't need you anymore. I saw a guy one time, his company was bleeding, bleeding from the juggler. Thousands and thousands of thousands of dollars every month, and he never missed a meeting until 
until the company turned around and then you couldn't find him anymore. It's sad, isn't it? Like the time that we need to be pressing in is when everything is on. Like, no, no. You know, Isaiah 44, 3, he said, I'll pour water on those that are thirsty. I'll pour water onto your parched ground. He said, I want to run rivers in your desert places. You got dry places in your life that you don't even know about. But if you'll press into me, I'll dump rivers in them. And all of a sudden, new growth. All of a sudden, the garden will grow like what James did out at our place. Hallelujah. I'm still eating out, I'm still eating out of that garden. And I never knew anything about planting a seed or anything like that before. But you learn, you plant the seed, and then you got to pull the weeds out, and you got to take care of things. And then next thing you know, you're eating fresh vegetables from your garden every night at supper time. It took some work and it took some effort. But let me tell you, next year, next year, check out the farm. No, I, I should plant the lawn so I don't have to mow it anymore. Glory to God. <laughs> Makes good sense to me. I drive around on lawn so often I get dizzy. Hallelujah. Am I completed? No. No. I used to ride my motorcycle and now I'm riding my lawnmower, but 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 it has the same effect. No, it does. Like you do it to escape whatever, you know, to clear your mind and stuff. And let me tell you, when you're mowing a lawn out there, it's the same as a motorcycle. Well, I consoled myself by saying it was too hot this summer to ride a motorcycle. So. No, John, now, you know, I used to go around looking at new motorcycles. Now I'm looking at tractors. That one can do it in two hours. It's got a three-year warranty. So we're driving down the road now, and I found myself looking in farmer's tractors. <laughs> No, the, the strange thing about it for me is I love coffee shops. I love going into a restaurant for a salad or something, you know, and, and, and I've been on the go my whole life, and now I'm living out there, and I'm still on the go. You know, like I drove four hours on Thursday, just back and forth. And then, and then, and then you know, then yesterday, yesterday when I was supposed to be in the Word of God, I'm thinking, Gee, I'd like to go over to Jamoli's over there in Truro and have one of their salads and a big, a big espresso coffee. We didn't go, but I mean, what I'm saying is, wherever you are, there's always adjustments that need to be made. So if I can get a tractor that'll do about 50 miles or 80 kilometers an hour, bless God, pipes. <laughs> Started up and then neighbors way down the road, the cows go still. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, let's just jump forward in this because Zepta, he says, okay, I'll come back and be your leader. I'll come back and lead you over the Ammonites, but I'm not coming back unless I'm the leader over you too. Like it's time for me to come back and take charge. And so, and so they, they agreed because... Desperate times require desperate measures. And so they agreed. And so you can read down through the rest of this chapter. You get to where he, re, he, 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 he talks to the Amorites and, and, and uh, the Moabites. And he says, you know what? And he lists all the things that, that God has done in his life and how he has a covenant and a covenant-keeping God. But maybe we can just jump in here somewhere. How about verse 14? And Zepta sent messengers again to the king of the children of Ammon. And then he, he lists off all of his covenant rights because he knew them. And so because he knew them, he wouldn't give in to what the, the king of the Ammonites, the representative of the Antichrist, he wouldn't give in to the demands of the Antichrist because he knew his covenant. And so I wrote in my margin, are you a son of God or the son of a whore? Mm. I, matter of fact, I wrote it this way. Again, please, please don't hate me for this. But I needed to shock me, to remind me. Do you know your rights or are you just the son of a whore? 
I can say it this way. Do you know your rights? Or are you still that divorced one? Do you know your rights? Or are you still going back 15 years to what somebody did to you? Do you know your rights? Or are you still going back to something that happened to you in high school or elementary school? Do you know your rights? An heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. We'll close over there. Again, don't, don't think I'm trying to gross anybody out. I'm trying to be vulgar or crass. I'm just trying to smash it home, if you will. Make it. No, I'm not my mother's son. I'm not my father's son anymore. Come on. Come on. Philippians 3.20 says, my citizenship is in heaven. Corinthians 4.17 says that I'm a new species. I'm a new race on this earth. You're either in, in God's, the God's race or you're in Adam's race. There's only two races. Just like there's only two genders, XX and XY. I don't care if the world wants to invite, invent three or four more. In God's economy, it's still XX, XY. You're either a man or you're a woman. And you can change all the outward stuff, but you can't change what's inside. And God made you whatever it is that you are, right? And so you are a citizen of heaven. It's not about anything else other than you are an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. That's who you are. And that's who you'll always be. And your citizenship being from heaven means you don't live by earth's economy. You live by heaven's economy. That's why you're seated, Ephesians 2.6, in heavenly places in Christ. That's why you're there. And when, when an ambassador goes from Canada to Moscow, he doesn't live according to the Russian economy. He lives in his own embassy. He has diplomatic immunity. You can't arrest him and put him in jail because he's a citizen of this country. And he lives, his paycheck comes from here, not from there. And the way he lives is based on what he would live like here and not there. And so your citizenship is in heaven. So you ought not to be living according to the, the way this world is living. And you need to know things. You need to know that the, the economy of the world is going to get worse and worse. And yet there's a financial inversion coming and that God wants to, God in the middle of all that's going on and, and you know, until the end of the year at least, You'll see a shift probably come December, and then come January, February, you're going to see the, the glory of God being poured out like you've never seen it before. But, but in the meantime, God wants to prosper you. In the meantime, God wants you to succeed. In the meantime, God wants you to cut off. You, did you notice he cut off everything in the world? I mean, I was an NFL football player, fan and all that, and, and, and now they've got empty bleachers. Uh, apparently they're playing hockey now and there's nobody in the stands. How long do you think that can last without the money? I, I, I don't have any Sunday ticket for football this year, and that's only six. But I mean, think about how the, those, those were the gods of this world. And they've all fallen. And so and to me, it's like, to me, it's like, wake up, Gary. Make sure that you're, you're prioritizing now, before some of these things start to come back, that you make sure that you're seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his way of doing things, and acknowledge him in all of, all of his ways. You know, making sure that I'm putting him first. Putting him first. And again, it's not a religious duty. It's like, I don't want to be lukewarm. I want to be fired up. I want to be fired up. So how do you do that? Set yourself on fire. Find some gasoline. Find some gasoline. Boom, 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 and flip the big. Amen. That's my choice. I can continue to do what I always did and keep getting what I always get, or I can do something different and experience something different. I want to see a move of the Spirit of God in this country more than anything. I want to see people like Justin Trudeau either get saved or get gone. And to realize that if you knew how many demons were over top of him, you, you probably wouldn't be so harsh on him anyway. <laughs> Talk about demonic activity. Ottawa would be the center hub, I would think. Yeah. And so we, but again, we get mad at people. My Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. You could take, here's the thing, here's the sad thing, is you could take somebody like him and kill him, but you didn't kill the spirit. So now the Spirit's going to go to somebody else and do exactly the same thing. But we think if we could just get these guys out of the way. No. 
That doesn't change anything. It's the spirits that are doing it. If you want to get mad at something, start dealing with the devil. Start doing what he said. I give you authority. Come on. To bind principalities and powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, and spirits of wickedness in the heavenlies, and render them harmless and ineffective. You're blaming them, and God's saying, when are you going to do what I set you into the earth to do? When are you going to do Psalm 82? How long are you going to allow this to have, to change? Are you just going to complain about it in Facebook and blah, blah, blah? Or are you going to stand up and take the authority that God gave you? Luke 10, 19, he said, I give you authority to tread upon the serpent and the scorpion, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means will hurt you. Have you been doing that or have you just been, I wanted to say bitching, but you can't say that in church, just complaining. <laughs> no, no, it's time to stop complaining and start being the body of Christ. He said, you're the firstborn among many brethren. What am I supposed to do? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good. So you can start by going about and being good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. God's with me. I need to start acting like it. I need to stop listening to the media. Shut it off. They're liars. The Bible says that Satan is the father of liars and there's no truth in him. So if they're not saved and they're on TV, they're lying. They're lying. They want to stir up st trouble and stir up division and strife and rip up cities and trash stuff. And it's the devil. It's not people. It's not people. Amen. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.